Well, it is nearly back. The World Cup might still be in full swing, but the championship return is on the horizon. And the most important thing, the normal Baggies broadcast is back. As always, I'm Johnny Drury and I'm joined by our Baggies main man, Lewis Cox. Coxie, how are things, my friend? Is it good to be back in the, I always say studio, but it's not really a studio. It's just in front of a computer screen, isn't it? Is it good to be back? Hello, mate. Very good to be back. How are you? Um, don't feel like I've been away. Well, haven't been away. Obviously, from the Baggies broadcasts, we've kind of been half away. Had the series of guest uh, episodes that were very enjoyable to record. Hope, you know, I hope the listeners enjoyed listening to them. Um, yeah, some great, great pods, weren't there? Some great anecdotes and stories and stuff like that. So, yeah, from a from from a selfish work perspective, it's been a bit of a rough few weeks getting by with um with no matches no press conferences not a fat lot to talk about but um yeah we've had the world cup on in the office so that's softened the blow a little bit mate but uh yeah we are about just over 24 hours away from carlos Corran's pre-sunderland press conference as we speak so i'm uh, most looking forward to that yeah it's almost back. Normal, as I call it, normal football is almost back. Although normal the World Cup, resumed. although the World Cup has been quite good. But Baggies fans, as you've seen, we, me and Lewis might have been sort of away from the uh, the Baggy Baggies broadcast recordings, but we've been bringing you plenty of other content and guest pods. We've had five podcasts um, in total. We had one with a few fans that came on, which was really well received, um, and we had our guest podcast with Andy Johnson, Simon Cox, Darren Carter. And Darren Moore, which went out on Tuesday. Lewis, they were good, weren't they? Enjoyable to record. What was your sort of favourite one to record? Ooh, um, I, I didn't. I, you were you were a lone raider for for Mr. Carter, weren't you? Um, so I can't so much talk about recording that one. But yeah, it feels like a little while ago, doesn't it? Feels Tricks, of the, tra- Tricks of the trade. They were a little while ago, but I'd have to say Big Dave. I think. Um, I know that was the we we saved until last, wasn't it? To 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 keep the to keep the supporters on, you know, on their toes, waiting to see who the last one was. I I really enjoyed speaking with with Darren Moore. I mean, the, the time he gave us, I think we've spoken about this before, haven't we? But the time he gave us on on a match day, being Sheffield Wednesday manager was yeah, was quite something. But they're all great in different ways. You know, we had a. <laughs> A typical laugh with Andy Johnson and uh, and Simon Cox was, you know, really brutally honest about things, wasn't he? And quite, you know, happy to talk deep about things and really enjoyable and great to have those lads open up so much and give us so much time. And yeah, it's it helped us get through, hasn't it? It's helped us fill the fill the airwaves and and the column inches as well. It's yeah, most grateful for them. Uh, but I really enjoyed Darren Moore. So how about you? Did you have a yeah, more. I mean, I he's, he's your, he's your hero, isn't he? So. I listened back to a bit more yesterday. Um, and yeah, I think, I, as I explained on social media, Baggies fans will have seen, you know, we asked Darren Moore for, we asked all, all our guests for an hour of their time. The Baggies broadcast is usually an hour. Um, but with Darren Moore, I think the recording in total, from the time we started talking to him pre-recording to when he left, was about an hour and 42 minutes or something. Um, as on we said, on, on the day of the game. And it was two hours after we were originally going to record because Darren had to go into a meeting. Um, so I think we recorded at 12, 12 o'clock or something, which I, you know, was very generous, as was the rest of the guests as well. You know, we had an awful lot of time in them and we all we can do is thank them. And hopefully, um, if we can, we'll, we'll bring you and that's our second series that we've had with a, with a load of guests. And hopefully we can bring you some more um, in the summer. Right. 
we're going to check. As Lewis said, not a lot really been going on, but we've got, it's been a month since our last Baggies broadcast chat. Um, so we've got, well, plenty to to sink our teeth into, really, and try and analyse. And we'll start with, um, we'll start with, Carlos Corbran and his baggies players that have been off in off to Spain. They've come back just in time for the the cold cold snap that started this morning that we're having in this country. Um, but they've been off in sunny Spain. Um, Lewis, it, it will have been beneficial for them. Um, a lot of the talk from Carlos Corbran certainly was the bonding side of things. And yeah, uh, if Albion fans read, you know, our latest column with Ali Robertson spoke about this and past sort of mid-season trips that Albion have have had. Um, but that was, seems like it was a big element for for Corbran, getting the players away, keeping them together, and and building that maybe that team spirit that prior to his arrival was probably maybe not dead in the water, but certainly had had waned a bit with what what has happened to Albion this season. Low, yeah, it was going to be low, wasn't it, given the results we've had and 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 how it's been generally, how the table looked, things like that. So yeah, you bang on, and um, and the head coach he was was very strong on those views that. We're gonna go away, and as much about the work, and and actually he was he was also very heavy on the, the tactical side of it, the ideas side of it. You, you usually you go on these trips, you hear fitness, fitness, triple sessions, running, 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 don't you? In yeah. the heat, um, but actually, and and I suppose you know this was a mid-season training camp, wasn't it, rather than a pre-season one, and that's that's gonna be very different because the players' fitness levels are at a decent point as opposed to the start of pre-season. So it, it wasn't all running. You know, running them into the ground, beating them physically, um, a lot of tactical on it, but but also yeah, a lot a lot of bonding and it it's not a new group, but as far as the head coach goes, it's a new group. He's got a new group of players. The new players have got new staff, a new manager, head coach, and that's that's a lot of change, isn't it? That's that's a lot to get used to a change in work, change in atmosphere, dynamic, all of that, and. He was understandably just keen to do it away where the group are as one settled in a complex, not going home and you know, distractions is the wrong word, you know, but obviously that when they're away, the, the sole focus is on training, recovery, who they're knocking around with when they're eating, stuff like that. They're, they're always together and you can you can foster and build things up there, can't you? And um, yeah, interesting to hear he wanted to go to Spain. And, and obviously that's that's where they went, the Costa Blanca in the east. It was uh, it was Corbin's call, and he actually said, I don't know if you read it, Johnny, that um, he doesn't he doesn't like to take players and squads to Spain in yeah. pre-season because it's too hot out there. Um, but obviously, I think he judged that uh, November December in England was too cold, and Spain was was just about right in, in at this time of year. So fair play, probably had it warmer than us. And yeah, uh, wouldn't we all like to go to Spain in November? Yeah, I don't know if um, well, you mentioned the cold snap starting today, Johnny, but anyone who knows me knows I've been cold for about three months. So, um, yeah, extra cold today. Um, although the office is quite warm, Johnny, you'll be quite jealous to hear as you're sat there in your snood. Yeah, my house yeah. is not, mate. My <laughs> house is not. It's cold. Same. It's freezing. Uh, but yeah, no, an, an, an important trip, I would say. Um, I would say equally from the, the, as you say, the team bonding, relationship side of it to but certainly the, the tactical ideas drills you know style of play side of it the new head coaches ideas and methods and yeah we start up again in the northeast on monday night don't we and um no that's it's not for a second going to be like it looks like a new albion on the pitch and you can tell they've been away and working on things but hopefully in the coming weeks and months 
we, I mean, we were already seeing a difference in Albion, weren't we, before the break? They won three on the spin, which hasn't happened for a while, but hopefully we'll see a bit more, just in terms of patterns and styles and tactics, a bit more, you know, of, of, of the head coaches print on them, I suppose. Yeah, if you're cold at the moment, or I've been for the last few months, you're going to be bloody cold on Monday night. Yeah, it's going to be rough, isn't it? We'll get which later. We'll, yeah. Which we'll discuss. We'll discuss later on. Um, just while they were in Spain, Albion, they took on La Liga side. Now, I don't know how to pronounce this name. El, 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 Elche. Elche. Yeah, Elche. Elche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, so, it wasn't until the day of the game that I actually looked at the La Liga, the La Liga table, table and saw where they were. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Albion took them on. Um, good, good result aside, doesn't really matter about the result. It was just, I suppose, a case of getting a game in the legs of yeah. players and uh, and and getting you know virtually all the all the players out there at least 45 minutes. Yeah, other than obviously Grady didn't play, did he? Um, had had a slight knock, um, just precautionary thing from as far as we were told, and I understand. Um, but yeah, I, there's nothing like playing another side. You can obviously do all the work. You can have inter squad matches, but it's it's never going to be like facing another professional outfit, especially one from out there where that is their home and they're used to everything that comes there. Obviously, Alche side. Top tier over in Spain are, are, are struggling badly this season, but um, yeah, just edged it over Albion. But yeah, minutes in the legs, it was 45 each, wasn't it, for most, if not all of them, it seems to remember. Um, yeah, useful, useful. I mean, some teams would have played more. We're seeing top tier clubs go out and play like a series of games in Dubai, I think. So um, there's friendlies going on as we speak, isn't there, all over the globe between um, some top English clubs. So yeah, but no surprise at all that Corbyn wanted to play a play a, a match out there, just a warm-up one. As you say, minutes in the legs, competitive action, albeit not competitive, but a proper run-out, proper competition. Um, can only stand them in good stead, I suppose. And, and this week, as we speak, obviously as we speak on the Thursday, has been all about, well, it's week four of this World Cup break and it's, it's Sunderland preparation week. It's very much back at training HQ, back at base and... Even though I'll be in play on Monday and not a Saturday, it's it's almost as you were otherwise, you know, as as a normal pre-match build-up goes. Yeah, nice to get back to a little bit of normality. Um, I'm just going to touch before we go on. I've got a section that says news, but a lot of this is about three weeks old. But we're going to discuss it because we haven't had a baggies broadcast for a while. But just on some um, up-to-date stuff, the manager and player of the month nominations were announced this morning. Baggies, I've got. Two, I can't remember when the last time Albion would have had a player and a manager nominated for manager of the month, even a manager. Um, Carlos Corbran, as we said, three wins in, in in three in November on the back of that that sort of poor opening day after his uh, after his announcement. But three wins in three games, three clean sheets. He's up a, as uh, nominated for manager of the month award. I think he's up against Michael Carrick, uh, Mark Robbins and Paul Heckingbottom for the award. And Kyle Bartley as well, his Albion career has just turned around dramatically in a short space of time. He's up for, for the Player of the Month nominations. Probably a probably a, a boost for the pair, but it, does it, it probably come as a boost for, for Albion in general and the squad in general, you'd imagine, because it, yeah. it's going to have been a long time since they had any of these nominations. Yeah, nice little pick-me-up, isn't it, given that it's been... I mean, it does feel like forever since Albion played, doesn't it? Is it, it you said to me the other day, didn't you, when was the last time we were... Um working in a press box together. Well, it seems it's forever since I've been there because I missed the last two games before... Um, yeah, it, we worked out it was the Blackpool, Blackpool midweek yeah. home, didn't we? Um, that 
our first win under Corbin the last time we worked at a game together. But yeah, nice little nice little bonus, isn't it? And you know, obviously just reward for for the incredible form. I was just thinking about that. Obviously, it sort of predates me in this role, but Bruce wouldn't presumably have have had a a manager of the month towards the end of last un, unless it was that they got a couple of wins at the very end of the season, didn't they? So unless um, he would have had a nomination then. Uh, nomination, yeah. Do you know what? I can't remember off the top of my head, but, but it should no, have won the one. It. It, it would go back, wouldn't it? Like no. you're saying. I mean, as for Carl Bartley, um, great, great. Well, just a bit of a wild story, hasn't it, this season for him um, in terms of up and downs? Absolutely crazy, really. But yeah, certainly the way the footy finished before it had a break, he, I don't know, I, I certainly think you could say he put himself into an undroppable position in that centre of defence, which is. For now, interesting with Shemi Ajayi back fit, isn't it? And um, yeah, so interesting to see how that goes, certainly. Nice the fact the managers, yeah, nice I think Carl Scorbrand said he was, you know, one of, the, one of, if not the best defender in the league. It's just mad. You know, we talked about it with the three supporters that we had on a few weeks ago, talking about um, the Birmingham performance and that just how dramatically it's changed. And I know we've spoken about this on the last normal baggies pod that me and you did a few weeks ago. But it's just, it still sort of baffles me how quickly it's turned around. And I think Corbrand's got to take an awful lot of credit for it. Do you know, do you know, I, um, yeah, I, I agree entirely, actually, regards um, Corbrand, because I don't think, I don't think too many of us saw it coming, did we? But actually, as well as Bartley himself, and we've praised Bartley before for, yeah, I don't know, you know, showing a, a really strong mentality to do that. But actually, um, a word for Richard Beale as well, uh, you know, and, and that sounds like a bit of a random shout, but he chucked him in at Millwall, didn't he? Um, as, as we can well remember, because Bartley got sent off on his on his return to the side. But, um, you know, albeit, yeah, it was an interim manager. Obviously, he's only there for a certain amount of time, etc. But we were still very shocked at Millwall that day to see Bartley in the side, weren't we? He hadn't been, he'd been frozen out post-Blues. I Just speaking personally, I don't, I don't think I expected to... Not that I didn't expect him to see him again, but I thought it would, you know, maybe be a real sort of injury crisis or something. I thought, yeah, I thought his album career was done, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I imagine many would have agreed with that. So it was a surprise when Rich Beale chucked him in down there and played well until that daft couple of yellow cards. And um, But yeah, they're obviously from afar and then from when he's come in, Carlos Gorbrand's looked at the squad looked at training, looked at maybe on paper and profiles and things like that and and thought he can get something out of of Carl Bartley and he has, hasn't he? He's he's a weapon in both boxes as we've spoken about before. And it's a great it's a great story. It's it's deserves this this nomination. Um and it'll be interesting to see you'd expect him to stay on the side, wouldn't you? You you have to say for now at least certainly for Monday night. And it'd be interesting to see how he performs and whether he can can continue with it whether we all think we know what sort of what style of defending suits him the the certainly physical dominant side of it how else can Carlos Corbran work with him can he develop other parts of his game obviously Bartley's not a young player um not at the start of his career but we we know Corbran is a is a coach is a trainer he develops and improves can he can he help the more experienced players like that kick onto it yeah, another level or see different facets of their game. I think that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to uh, to see, as you say, on Monday evening. Um, right, I'm just going to rattle through basically some stories that we've put out there over the last few weeks, and we're going to sort of discuss them. The first one, I've gone all the way back to November the 17th. Um, <laughs> seems like a long time ago now. Um, what are the exciting Albion youngsters that's coming through at the moment? There's a few, you know, obviously a couple of them have been given a chance in the first team. Um, Harry Whitwell was recorded, uh, was rewarded, sorry, several exciting performances in Albion's under-21s with his first professional contract um, on his on the week of his 17th birthday. And it came um, only a few months after he signed scholarship forms for Albion. Lewis, you've seen the under-21s a few times this season, so would have seen them, um, would have seen Whitwell. Um, what have you made of him? And, it, you know, got to be some excitement around him, given that he's he's landed this contract not long after after signing his scholarship. Yeah, there is. No, there, there is excitement around him. And from what I've seen in the handful of 21s this season, rightly so. I mean, I, I remember going to uh, Hensford Town, Keys Park for the first 21s game I did. And obviously, pretty much the entire side I was watching for the first time, really. Um, and yeah, he stood, he stood out. I remember a couple of people telling me he was only 16, um, not yet 17, and thinking, that's impressive. He's playing playing regularly for the 21s, playing most games. Um, and he does, he's, he stands out in midfield. He's got that bit of, he's got a couple of impressive sort of strings to his game, really, just in terms of technically being able to move the ball, but physically the energy he puts about is, is, is noticeable. It's, it's really impressive. He's got, he seems to have an engine on him, but he seems to have a technical side to his game as well. Um, as I say, I'm only going by a handful of games, but considering he's, he's well down the age level in that group, it's no surprise to see um, the excitement around him and that he's been obviously recognised at England age groups. As I think he's had an 18s cap, am I right in remembering? Um, I think he made his, his debut recently before he was 17. And I remember looking when he was 16 and seeing that he was he was 17 soon, and I wondered if um, you know if sort of pro terms could could be on the way. And yeah, I, I mean from from what I've seen and from what I've heard, it's it's well and thoroughly deserved. And he looks like of of that crop. Obviously, we know of a few that have broken into the first team and, and been training and played the odd cup game, but perhaps in the next age group below the the one down, he he seems to be the one really the one exciting spark um, that the club are, are very hopeful of and I think uh, Rich Stevens quotes when when that news came out actually the academy boss um, said you know a contract like this at an age like this just just shows what we think of him and how, how highly we rate him so yeah an exciting one without doubt I mean I don't I don't for a second think we're really gonna you know we're gonna see him in Carlos Corbran's senior squad anytime soon, probably this season. I mean, we've got the FA Cup rolling around in Jan, actually, haven't we, at Chesterfield? So um, that wouldn't be a massive surprise, would it, if he found his way onto the bench there, perhaps? But, um, yeah, beyond that, we get to the pre-season, summer pre-season and friendlies. He'll, he'll be um, he'll be arriving, won't he? He'll be the next one on the conveyor belt, looking to push through, looking to make his way in the senior squad. And, uh, yeah, an exciting one to keep tabs on, certainly. And it's nice. Nice to see that the club is still bringing prospects through. We know what the news stories and we have been over the years. We know what's happened regards talent being snapped up elsewhere, moving on. Um, but Albin can Albin produce, don't they? They they continue to produce good players and um, nice to see him put on a contract like that straight away because that's sort of a you know a sign signal of intent to 
yeah, we want to keep this one around. We don't want to be losing this one. So that's good to see. Hopefully that can continue. Yeah, just going to touch on Daryl DK and Brandon Thomas Asante. Uh, I think earlier in the World Cup um, break, Thomas Asante spoke about his sort of excitement at potentially linking up with DK. Um, mm -hmm. And then we've heard that sort of DK's schedules have been managed as Albion, you know, want to sort of bring him back to into the first team fold and featured against Stoke. Um, just on on that, really, Lewis, he's at, he got 45 minutes, I think, under his belt in the friendly in Spain. As we look towards Monday, would you be surprised if we saw DK playing on Monday? Oh, from the start. Um, surprised? I would say no, no, not surprised. But then, if you were to ask me, do I expect him to start? Um, possibly not. I can't. I think. I think neither would surprise me if he was on the bench. I get it. The team's had good results of late. Seem to have found a bit of a side, bit of an eleven. Albeit, yes, there's been a break. Um. So he worked, you know, DK works his way from the bench. What well, against Stoke, he had four minutes of stoppage time, didn't he? So perhaps at Sunderland, he could have half an hour or, or a bit longer or a bit less. Um, on the flip side, I realised that there's a lot of, I mean, this is from, from inward as well, from, from the club, as well as the supporters, certainly. But there's a lot of hope and expectation and on him, isn't there, to, to come in and deliver as soon as he gets up to speed, really, as soon as he's got that match sharpness, because he was a he was a big signing. He is a, a big money signing, a centre forward who has done it before in this division for a for a totally totally different club in a totally different circumstance. And it's just been a it's just been a dreadful dreadful almost twelve months, hasn't it? So this feels like hopefully Touchwood the start, you know, a fresh start, uh, an injury free start, and but uh, yeah. Because of that, because of that hope and expectation, I, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him in the lineup either. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. But if you're asking me what I'd, what what if you, if you're putting a gun to my head and saying what do I think, I, perhaps on the on the bench. Um, but I'd be happy with either. I think. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't Can you envision it? I imagine most fans listening to this would want him in the starting lineup, and yeah. I understand that, and I don't disagree. But just thinking, maybe from the head coach's perspective, um, let's just maybe start with half an hour. Yeah. Could you envisage a time or, or a system, you know, where the two do play together? Because I think, you know, Carlin Grant's been injured and been out of form. And if there was going to be a double part or, a, you know, two up top, you can see it being DK and, and Thomas Santa. Yeah. Could you, can you see that happening at any point? You know, I would like to, I'd like, yeah. and obviously, as you say, we, we carried the quotes, didn't we, from um, Thomas Santa. I would like to see it because, I mean, I like strike partnerships. Speaking personally, you don't see them anymore, really, do you? No, 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 oh, you, do, you don't. But trends kind of come around and go, don't they? So you wonder. I think I was having a conversation with someone recently. How you know how how much longer till four four two becomes fashionable again? Um, but but interestingly, like, I'd like to see them, as you say, and but I just don't know what. I mean, what system are we going to see them in? What what system allows mm. the two up top at three three at the back or five at the back three five? Two, um, there aren't many modern day systems you see that, that allow for two up top, is there? Now, you know, we'll see it late in games if Albion are chasing or need a goal, won't we? But, um, you always see, you know, you, you see the four, two, three ones with the, the lone striker and the supporting wingers and the number 10, then you see the four, three, three, 
um, or even a 3-4-3. Three, three. It just tends to be a one singular centre forward and, and support wide. So I'd like to see it. I think I think they could. They've, within those two up top together, I think they'd have a bit of everything. Um, and I, it strikes me that they've built a strong relationship off the pitch, I would say. Um, yeah, it'd be something to, uh, interesting to hear from Corbyn, actually. Um, a, how does he feel about them being able to work together? And B, how would it work you know, formation-wise? Because you, I, I don't know. I was about to say you can't do a formation, design and build a formation just for those two up top on their own if it doesn't work for all eight other outfield players. But I guess it's possible. And I'm pretty confident, again, that most listening to this would love to see Thomas Asante and DK up top together. Uh, I would as well. I'm just, I'm just wondering how it would work, really. Yeah, it would be one you would want to say, you know, I'd... Four, four, I'd give I'd, us 4-4-2 four, four, any day. Yeah, I've spoken, you know, about strike partnerships on this. You know, you just you just don't see them anymore, do you? But it'll be good if we could potentially see that at some point. Um, just on another couple of points, I'm going to chat about two games, really. Two games that Albion have got coming up. The first one is Coventry um, later this month on the 21st, uh, which has been thrown into, or was thrown into, a little bit of doubt. Um, which is still a little bit up in the air with Coventry City Stadium, which was owned by uh, Wasps, the rugby team, um, who went into administration earlier this year, has been bought by a company owned by Newcastle owner or former Newcastle owner Mike Ashley. Um, and there's a bit of problem with Coventry's lease on the ground. Um, heard last week they've been served with an eviction notice, which could put a few games. In jeopardy. Do we know any more at the moment, Lewis? Well, if we will be going to Coventry, or if we'll be no, going to. No, it would to... be great. It would yeah. be great too, wouldn't it? For uh, for, for for Christmas plans. Um, did touch base with a club on this, um, but obviously that, that was very early on when when this news sort of surfaced and emerged. And um, I think from Coventry City's perspective, Coventry against Albion on uh, December the twenty first or whatever it is, it's probably a little bit down there down their pecking order of priorities, isn't it? They have another home game before that, don't they? On the Saturday, the um, 17th, I believe, when Albion are at home that day. Yeah, coverage are due to be at home against Swansea, I believe. So I'm not sure if anything's been said on that fixture. And I don't think anything's been uh, reported generally about Coventry's plans, as it where they're, where they're going to go. Who no, there was a. I think when it first, they wasps first went into administration, there was a little rumbling that they were potentially seeking out the idea of Walsall and the best got, but there was, I don't think there was anything solidly confirmed about it. No, that. no, no. I'm sure, Bandy's no, fans wouldn't be too bothered. Just a little jaunt down the road. There are a few. There are a few. Yeah, quite. Yeah, there, there are a few options, aren't there? I'm right in saying Cov have been at Northampton before, haven't they? Rip, um, quite. Yeah. Quite recently. I mean, yeah, so yeah. that just shows you've got. I suppose Midland options and options a bit further south, so it will be interesting. Um, it's not, I don't, it's not ideal, is it, from an, from an Albion perspective? And again, hopefully, it's something over the next day or so with the press conference coming that we'll be able to get a bit more on. But I suspect it could be the case at the moment where Albion are, it's up in the air really, and Albion are in a little bit of limbo regards that Christmas week, which is not ideal, but. Um, I think I think Coventry would be within their rights to say their situation isn't ideal, is it? So Albion have, uh, I'm sure I'm sure they can sort of grit their teeth. And uh, if if the game's off and it has to be rearranged, then yeah, it's it's going to be well a Tuesday night, isn't it? Come what February March, um, hopefully when things have eased off uh, a little bit. But yeah, it, 
what is interesting about it is it's Albion's game in hand on almost everyone in the league, isn't it? Um, because it's the it was a fixture from when when the Queen passed away and all the games were, were obviously postponed. Now most teams have played that had their rearranged game played. Um, so the the tables a little bit off just in Albion having a game in hand on on sides. So you always feel like it's a clearer picture when all teams have played the same amount of games, don't you? And you don't say, well, Albion could have a possible three points for their game in hand. But um, obviously Coventry struggles at, at, at the wrong end of the table as well. Whenever it comes, I think it'll be a, an interesting fixture. And wherever it is, who knows? Could be anywhere, couldn't it? Could be anywhere. I know they moved one of their youth games to Leamington Town the other day. Could, uh, be, a, could be a little non-league trip. You, you and I have been there <laughs> a few times, haven't we, no doubt? I know I have. Yeah, I think I have. I've been to many non-league grounds over the years. Um, another game that's been uh, not like impacted, but moved. Albion are going up to Burnley on Friday night now. And, and we heard... Albion had so many games moved last year that it got to a point where West Brom spoke to Sky and sort of a couple of games were were not moved and not put on TV. Um, and we were told it wasn't going to happen as much probably this year. Uh, maybe Albion weren't as big a fish um, given what happened last year um, with the league position. But it, games are being moved, aren't they? The Sunderland game on a Monday night, which let's face it, yeah, it's nice to go to Sunderland, but on a Monday night in mid-December... Is not ideal. Burnley now on a Friday night in mid-January is also not ideal. And yes, I get that there's um, TV contracts and stuff, but these aren't going to go down well with Albion fans, are they? No, no. Let, well, uh, haven't. Let's, no, let's let's be fair. Obviously, from our perspective, like we joke and banter about it, and you know, moan about going up to Sunderland on a Monday night. But in, in the privileged job we're in, we we don't really mind or care do we because we were in a, a nice position to be able to go and cover these games but um obviously the the scandal really is is for loyal supporters hard working work, work damn hard to, to get their money in rough times when no one can afford to do anything and pay very good money to go and watch their side everywhere not just at home and they're just they just the the final thought, the last thought, um, moved from pillar to post, aren't they, for away games? Doesn't matter which part of the country. Um, yeah, so I, I I agree with you. Obviously, broadcast rights and as you say, contracts. I, I get it, but um, yeah, I, I remember last. Obviously, I wasn't covering Albion last season, but I remember him being on the TV almost weekly, and I remember the stories about how looking into it, hope it doesn't continue. And there have been a few this season, haven't there? There have been a few. Yeah. I mean, Burnley at home as well. Yeah, I, Burnley, Watford, start of the season. I suppose with those, get you know, Burnley and Watford, you're talking two of the sides down from the Premier League, two of the bigger sides in recent times. So is it understandable that these games, you know, Albion, one of the division's bigger clubs, they're going to be on the telly more? I I guess you know there's there's obviously something in that. That's why Albion are getting getting picked because they're a big hitter, um, albeit not having a, a great time of it this season so far. But it 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 still should be shared out with fans in consideration, shouldn't it? Just because Albion are one of the big hitters, and ditto to the other big sides that are probably on most most weeks as well. Um, that just puts the travelling fans, the paying fans. Not those paying for Sky, by the way. The the actual paying fans for a ticket just puts them at a loss, doesn't it? Because either means crazy trip, potential hotel, 
um, or or not being able to go because of work, 5 a.m. the next morning or something. So even though I've been one of the big hitters and selected for that reason, it still needs to be spread and thought, the fans need to be thought about because it's it's not fair that because their side's one of the bigger in the division, they're, they're at a loss and these um, these midweek trips. There's, there's enough of them in the season, aren't there? And you can take a couple being switched for telly, but yeah, I, I, I really um, struggle to, it, it, it annoys me. It annoys me a lot. So I, I feel for the Baggies fans heavily. Um, yeah, I don't think it's on personally, but there we go. Yeah, difficult, difficult situation. One game that hasn't been chosen for um, live broadcast, which we thought might be, um, Albion are heading to the non-league Chesterfield in the third round of the FA Cup. Lewis, what did you make of the, the draw Chesterfield? Big hitters in, in non-league now, some big clubs down there. Um, yeah. Managed by Paul Cook, former Wolves man. Looking to maybe get one over on, well, to get one over on the baggies. Um, it's going to be a, a tricky, tricky little tie, that one, I think. Yeah, I like, I liked it, Johnny. I like the draw. I was a big fan of it. Um, something di- I, I imagine most Albion fans similar in enjoying that tie. Uh, something different, isn't it? Something a bit fresh. Well, <laughs> very fresh, really, given they haven't played each other since 1948. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners uh, would have any recollections of, of that game. Um, yeah, interesting, something different, a new ground for people to go to. I know Albin went there in a friendly, didn't they? Um, turn of the millennium, but that would have been Chesterfield's old ground. They're now in uh, Technique, is it? Technique Stadium, I think it's called. Um, since about 2010, they moved there. I've been once, and that was when Chesterfield were in League One before they tumbled out of the Football League in, in quite recent years. Uh, Paul Cook's there for a second time, isn't he? As you, as you say, and it's not... It's not by any means an easy draw, is it? Just because it's championship against National League, as you rightly say, over the last certainly handful of years, between five and ten years, the National League's gone through a bit of a transformation and very much full-time big clubs there now who have dropped, tumbled and, and struggled to get back at the first attempt and found themselves mired down there. So, yeah. Won't be easy at all, will it? And just because it's at their place, you know, familiar ground for Chesterfield, it's 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 a fair banana skin, isn't it? To be honest, it's a fair banana skin because I'll be in a heavy favourites, but it's not a tie that I think people would want to stick their mortgage on, is it? And uh, I, I just would have thought the TV companies would have looked at it, Johnny, really, and thought they've snubbed well, all the non-league games, haven't they? It's 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 another one where we it's could shocking, isn't it? We could go it? on yeah, about it for ages, but we've just had a rant there, and we don't want to go into another one. But yeah, three all prem ties on the telly, was it? Um, I think, which I mean, it's just dull, isn't it? They're on Sky every every week, multiple times a week. <laughs> just give give the give the plucky lower league, non-league sides what they've earned, what they've deserved. You know, Coventry against Wrexham, that was another tie, wasn't it, yeah. in the third round? And it's like, I mean, that's a proper FA Cup tie, that, isn't it, with two teams with FA Cup history and stuff. I couldn't believe that that was ignored. I didn't expect Chesterfield or Albion to make it because, you know, what TV are like. But actually thinking about it, people would be interested in watching that rather than yeah. whoever man you were playing or... Liverpool Wolves or I mean man you are guaranteed to be on the telly aren't they for FA Cup it's yeah but um yeah I mean I suppose at least we know I'm not sure we know 100% definitively but it will be a Saturday three o'clock won't it I think I think I saw there's some foreign broadcasters which had moved games slightly that weren't on English telly but 
Albion haven't been mentioned, so I think we're safe to assume it's a Saturday trip to Derbyshire. Um, yeah, new ground for you, Johnny? It is, yeah. I feel a bit hypocritical, man, because we were moaning about Albion games being moved, being on telly, and now we're sort of talking about massively, not being slated for TV. Massively, massively, yeah. <laughs> We've had two rants, two successive rants. Thanks. Which have both the, um... contradicted each other. <laughs> yeah. No, but in, in our defence there, I mean, I would say this because it's our point of view, but I think we're both on right. Think. Oh, of course. Course well, we are. Yeah, yeah we, we are. Aren't we? Uh, yeah, Albion should be on the telly less than the champ, and this tie in the FA Cup should be on the telly. Like, not not from Albion's perspective, really. Yeah, this is from Chesterfield's perspective, to be honest. And yeah. people that are tuned into the FA Cup to love seeing a giant killing or an underdog, a, a non-league team, like it should be. Yeah, you know, when it gets to the fifth round or the quarter-final or the semi-final, it's going to be prem against prem, isn't it? And we can enjoy or endure that when it comes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a couple of other points. People would have seen that Lewis Lewis has got his, his abacus out, his calculator out, um, and has gone through all the ratings of Albion starters this season um, to see how they've um, how they've ranked up. Lewis, I've just had a look through it. I think there's one, only one that's got seven. Uh, the rest are below that. What what did you sort of I mean, make yes. of it when you were going through it? You know, were you any surprises or any 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 ones you thought? Oh, yeah, well, cool, Johnny. Um, actually did this a, a little while ago, so I'm just having a look now to give myself a bit of a refresher. The seven was Thomas Asante, wasn't it? I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and to to explain that, I'll give some context. He's only had we put the number of league starts they've had next to the ratings just to give a bit more context in this, and he's only had six, obviously, since being a later signing and being on the bench in some games. So. You compare his average score from six games against player X's average score from 17, 18 or 19. There's a, there's a little difference there, isn't there? But uh, yeah, seven for Thomas Asante is among the higher. Beyond that, I mean, it's there were a couple, weren't there? Jed, Jed Wallace and Jason. I mean, we expect Wallace and I think we probably expected expect Wallace to have scored highly in relative terms to his teammates uh, because he's been one of the well, one of the very few stars this season. I mean, Grady Dean Garner's had a, a pretty good season, hasn't he? He certainly started really well. Might have tailed off a bit, but still scored an OK average mark, didn't he? Um, one that surprised me a little, I remember telling you at the time when I was um, busy with my calculator, Johnny, um, Jason Malumbi scored quite highly in com- in comparison to his teammates. He's, yeah. His average mark was up and around Wallace's. Um which you, you might not have thought. I mean, I, I'm the one that gives these ratings. I suppose the amount of starts is, impacts it as well. You know, yeah. Wallace just started every game, yeah. isn't he? Malumbi 12. I'm the one giving, giving these these out. I mean, you you obviously did a few of the midweek ratings, didn't you? But I wouldn't necessarily think that Malumbi would be right up there. It's not that I think he's been great most weeks. But I, I do think he, he does bring something of a consistent side to, to his game. And he, he does well at what he does. That that player. So, yeah, that that was a little bit surprising. Um, someone came back to me this morning saying I can't believe um, saying, saying they couldn't believe that Connor Townsend got the same average as David Button. Which, um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, obviously I, I tried to qualify that by saying that this is the maths ad- averaging this out. You know, there might have been some games where Button did okay and got a six out of ten, and Townsend might have done a bit poor and, and got a five in my eyes, but. Like, this is player ratings, isn't it? It's entirely subjective, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, every, every, I think everyone, and certainly every 
sports reporter, footy reporter, has got slightly different views on player ratings. I, I always try and stay a little bit level-headed with it and not get too carried away because I just fear that you don't you don't give yourself much breathing room, do you? If um, if your striker turns around and scores four or five goals, or uh, but yeah, there've been a few rough ones this season. I mean, Bar- you know, Bartley against Blues springs springs to mind as a, as a tough day, and his Millwall performance as well, the red card. But yeah, overall. I think most tallied up, Johnny, with how you would expect performance-wise. Um, and and very few, though, really pushed above the six overall, did they, on an average, um, which is to be expected, I'd say. Yeah, a certain manager once told me earlier this season, actually, I was a bit too harsh with my player ratings. Um, not, oh, yeah. not that I'll be a manager, but, um, but yeah, I put, I put myself in the, the harsher category like you, yourself, Lewis. Um, that's the... The newsy section of what we're going to talk about. We've got a little bit more to talk about before we uh, we leave you, Baggies fans, with this first normal episode since uh, since I can't even remember when it was. To be honest, I've mentioned it like three or four times now. I'm like, I can't even. Can't well, it would have it would have been pre-Stoke, wouldn't it? I pre-Stoke? guess. It would have been was it pre-Stoke? post-Stoke or pre-Stoke? I can't remember if we did one after Stoke. I don't think we possibly mm, didn't. Possibly not. Mm, maybe. Oh, who knows? Been to bed but since. Then. What you have had since then is the guest podcast. What you also have have had is adverts from the kettle and toaster man and we're going to bring you another one now as always the baggies broadcast is brought to you in association with the kettle and toaster man um bringing uh, who's got a range of products um online at the kettle and toaster man.co.uk and in store at thorns road on Briley hill at the moment he's got an awful lot of oil-filled radiators which i'm sure people are snapping up at the moment with the with the cold snap that we've got going on and he's got a range of products kitchenware you name it, he's got it. Christmas, as we said, is coming up in about how many days' time? Not long, basically, looking at the, the calendar at the moment. So if you haven't got anything for Christmas or you need to get something like one of them radiators, warm yourself up in this uh, this cold snap. Head over to the thecatlandtoastdemand.co.uk or to the store in Briley Hill. Right, this podcast was not hastily arranged, but we've <laughs> had a busy morning. And it got to the 10 o'clock when we were going to record it, and I thought, Oh God, we haven't asked for questions. Um, so we quickly put something out on uh, on Twitter, and we've had two or three questions back. So I'm just going to go through those questions, Baggies fans, um, before we sort of sum things up and talk Sunderland. Um, it's a question here from Alan Love: Will the break be Corbrand's pre-season, and will we see a new formation? Plus, who will he ship out in the transfer window if he can? Of course. Some big questions in there for you, Lewis. Yeah, well, that, the first point is that I think we touched on at the top of the episode, didn't we? About just because there's been a break, does it mean we'll see Albion look totally different with, with a new style, with a new formation? I don't think it's necessarily as simple as that, do we? And, you know, obviously that's something we look forward to asking the head coach tomorrow at the presser and obviously seeing him for the first time on Monday. But and for me, prior to the break, the 4-2-3-1 that the head coach was using um, I think it was effective. It was working, wasn't it? It was getting results. So I wouldn't be in a massive hurry to change away from it, other than, as we said, I'd like to see two up top. Um, but yeah, I, hopefully over time, over the, the you know games to come, we'll see something different starting to emerge. You would like to think so, given that, it, yeah. And I think I think the four weeks can act as a, as a pre-season for Corbin. Absolutely. He hasn't had one with this group of players. And in any normal season, Sorry, excuse me. In any normal season, he wouldn't have had this chance mid- midway through. So I think he would have relished it. And I don't think he would have let a, a second go to waste, really. So, 
Yeah. What 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 was that nasty second part of the question that I didn't fancy? Who will he, who, who, who will he ship out in the transfer? <laughs> we don't know who he will, but who potentially, I suppose, who could would you want? Yeah. Going, I saw yeah. some Albion fans chatting yesterday on social media talking potentially about, you know, they could see Carl and Grant leaving. Um that might free up some funds. I don't know how much Albion would get at the moment in the market for, <laughs> for Grant, but it's it's a difficult one, I suppose, isn't it? The I think the um the first thing to say is the players that would go at this stage in a January in Corbyn's first window would would only be players he'd he'd obviously accept losing. He'd be happy to to move on. And and for that you'd you'd have to say players that are not featuring regularly. Certainly certainly starting regularly. Obviously with a few players that have often come on in games. Um, again, you'd have to consider those those important parts of the squad wouldn't you if they're, if they're coming on as a sub most most weeks even if not starting but there are not there's not it's it's not a squad laced with huge depth is it there are numbers but it, it's light of, of depth in some departments so and, and we spoke about that we expect more fire firepower is 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 a position where they need to improve in january but it wouldn't surprise me if some were allowed to leave. Um, you know, from a from a perspective of not playing as much as they want, from a perspective of freeing up funds, wages. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard necessarily to name names, and and, and primarily because obviously we, you know we don't know this, and it'd just be speculating. But I mean, who who is outside of the the regulars that feature really often? I mean, you know, you look at I mean, I'm just plucking two names here. Um, but Eric Peters and Martin Kelly, two new signings. Um, now we've certainly seen Peters more than we've seen Kelly, and that that comes under Corbett, and he's selected Peters in some of his games. He hasn't used Kelly, has he? So you you wonder there. I, I wouldn't expect to see Peters depart. On the flip side, Martin Kelly, who hasn't been used, has got a two-year contract, doesn't he? So situation there, you, you're not quite sure. Um, I mean, one name's Kenneth Sahor, isn't it? Um, uh, that's certainly one name. Now he played in a 21s game, didn't he, during the break? Um, I believe it was a 21s fixture just before the squad jetted to Spain, and then he was involved as a sub, I believe, in in the friendly out in Spain. But again, look, Steve Bruce obviously said in the summer uh, that, that Zahor was free to leave. So you know, it'd be interesting to know if. Corbyn has different views on that. You would suspect not. He's certainly not been involved as he's a whore still. So um, perhaps movement there. But w- while there are numbers, I don't think there are m- numbers enough to let be happy with a handful leaving, regardless no. of who comes in. You can never rely on X amount coming in, can you? So I, I don't think I've been in the luxury of letting, I don't know, more than more than two depart really would surprise me but if they can work something that helps them financially in terms of young loans maybe yeah young loans is a good shout actually i remember speaking on cleary a few podcasts ago saying a loan would be good for him you you know your ashworth or ingrams i think would both definitely benefit in my opinion um so yeah it could could have movements there mo files the fear out on loan aren't they um, yeah, bagging goals were filed on Saturday. Wasn't yes, various levels, but I, I could see a couple leave um, if if, it, if it's in Albion's favour and it can can help them out financially. Certainly. Yeah, that'll be interesting to to see. A couple of others. Um, 
Josh Carver, the question here. What do we think Rogic, DK and Ajayi's roles will be coming back after the break? Certainly, we've mentioned on DK there, but Ajayi and, and Rogic, where can you see that? Rogic is sort mm. of on the periphery of it, wasn't he, in the first few games yeah. under, under Carlos? Um, Shemi Ajayi comes back and he was Albion's best centre-half earlier on this season when things weren't going well. But as we've said, Kyle Bartley has, has turned into a colossus again at the back for Albion. Yeah, I mean, just 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 on a Jai there um, before. I mean, Rogic is a really interesting one. But if I turn the tables on you, Johnny, and Albin play a back four up at Sunderland, and you're in charge, do you start a Jai? Probably not. No. No. Again, I think change it. Yeah. No, I, I I think I agree. And um, yeah, it might be one over over the festive period when you've got more fixtures that yeah we'll see a little bit of a Jai. But you know what I mean? They've had four weeks or what is it? Four or five week break. Since exactly. The last, or four weeks since the last game and um. You know, three clean sheets on the bank. So I don't think you can justify dropping any of no, that back four. No, I agree. I think, I mean, again, with with that, yeah, busy, busy Christmas period as it always seems to be. Um, perhaps if the Coventry game is off in the in the build up to Christmas, it might not be the worst thing for Albion. Actually, might, I hadn't really considered that. But have, if that game goes, obviously they'll have a fresher week going into Boxing Day and beyond. So that that might be quite useful. But I agree with you about Ajay. I think. He has to get his chance. He has to impress and work his way back in. Certainly now it's a new new head coach. I think so. Rogic, um, interesting point, really. I, it's as we touched on earlier, it's been four two three one, hasn't it? And then in the last few games, Swift has improved and returned to make that attacking midfield number ten position his own, which is what we hoped going into the season. But I think Rogic has plenty to say when it comes to that. I think. They came in, bit of fanfare, wasn't there, with, with his signing. And we could tell quite quickly that he looked a little bit off the, off the pace, just in terms of physically, just in terms of not having a club and a, a pre-season and so on. And that's hard to come into, especially when your team are down the bottom of the table, when, when they were all expected to be you know, somewhere near the other end. So I think actually this this four-week break and, and trip to Spain, I think Rogic in my book, would be one of the big beneficiaries, really. One of the big, where it's made a real difference to him, hopefully. And if he if he can have used that as a real pre-season, and if he comes back, hopefully near the, his top level physically and near the top of his game, I mean, it's the worst cliche going, but talk about like a new signing. It could, it, it, it really, yeah, apologies for that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he could make a big difference, couldn't he? We haven't seen what he can do yet. and um, And, yeah, he can be a... A massive boost because he he can play a similar role to Swift, Carney. Slightly different players, but just nice to have a different option. And and hopefully Rogic is ready to start coming in. Obviously, expect it to be from the bench initially, really, and and start really influencing games and creating chances and goal scoring opportunities. I I still got a little bit in me that thinks he can play a role this season and you know be um be a, something approaching an important player. Yeah, just, and then the final one, we've, been, we've only had, as we said, forgot to put the shout out for questions, so we've only had three questions in. Um, Simon Hevigan's got in touch, and this was a question we've actually had on our script, Lewis. Um, have the club said if they will announce if Gouch and Lai pays back the loan, or will it be radio silence like normal from them? Um, just a bit of context to that. Gouch and Lai's, I think, 49 4.5 or 4.95 million loan with his £50,000 interest is due to be paid back later this month. Um, the loan December, the, December the 21st is the yeah, deadline, Johnny. 21st. Yeah. 
is the deadline the same day Alvin go to Coventry? Um, Lewis, yes. what can you sort of? I, I can't imagine too much at the moment, but what can we expect Alvin to maybe announce it or? or will well, we in, in answer to the, the question, um, no, they haven't announced anything yet, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect them to, to be honest. I don't, I don't obviously, I'd, I don't know that for definite, but I'd be surprised if if they did. Um, it's certainly been on my radar. Obviously, more than aware that that deadline's very fastly approaching now into this month, later this month. Um, something we'll be you know, obviously asking about and following, and certainly when it gets right close to it, um, you're hoping we get answers to bring because clearly it's a extremely significant and monumental importance regards how the club is run and, and finances and funding and all of that side of it. And yeah, I. When were the accounts released with with this deadline on? Was it June, something like that? Yeah, so middle, middle of summer. Of summer. Wasn't it? Um, and that deadline always felt like a little while away, didn't it? But uh, but here we are, really, and we we hope to be able to bring answers. We obviously don't have those yet, and I, I, from in terms of the club announcing things like that, I I I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's something the club would put out publicly themselves. I don't. I might be wrong with that but I, I'm not sure um, I hope it's obviously we'll be asking um, because we you know, clearly anyone knows how, how important it is um, and yeah I mean I, I was going to say it'd be a good Christmas present wouldn't it for Albion and their fans but um, yeah it's, it's certainly a deserved Christmas present obviously the funds and the deadline to be repaid and it would be a timely one as well wouldn't it with January around the corner it needs to be and Again, hopefully, be able to bring answers with regard. You know, it's it's relativity to the um, to the transfer window as well, which is going to be important as well, isn't it? In in regards back in Corbin and giving him what he wants and needs financially to to hopefully beef the squad. Um, you would have thought to get him through the door, he would have had a couple of gentle reassurances regards January and just having a bit of room to manoeuvre. Um, because you know, the, a manager or head coach's first window, they're going to want to edit the squad a bit, get maybe get a couple out, a couple in. So, yeah, it, it, obviously aware that, that that repayment deadline's rapidly um, closing in and, yeah, hope to be able to bring it to supporters. Yeah, well, I, I, as we said, we'll bring you the news when it comes through. If, I, I dread to think what the reaction's going to be like, if it isn't, doesn't get paid, I suppose that the action for Albion, um, the way that they've been doing will, will, will no doubt ramp up if it's not paid back. And it'll just be, be even more concerning. But hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we're what, a couple of weeks away from that. And and hopefully that money is paid back. If it is paid back, it might be a, a good sign and hopefully a good sign of things to come. But, you know, there's trepidation in what I'm saying there because of what's happened over recent years at Albion. Um, we're almost coming to the end of this normal, uh, the, the first normal Baggies broadcast um, back with you, with me and Lewis Cox. And we're just going to talk about the Monday trip to Sunderland. Albion head to the stadium on Monday, looking to make it four wins on the bounce. If they win on, I've worked out if they win on Monday, they could go as high as 16th in the table, the lofty heights of 16th. <laughs> um, Lewis, it's going to be a tough one. Is it? Albion are up against former, the former manager, Tony Mowbray, who's still loved down at the Hawthorns. Um, but, you know, Carlos Corbrand had another month on the grass with them. They've had a, they've had an awful, you know, they were an awful lot of of work done. I imagine over that time they've looked they've looked really good prior to the break. Um, you just like 
to see Albin coming out almost like doubly fired up now, you know, giving Cole Brands an extra month for to, to put his ideas across and put his methods across, which from what the players have been saying, they've certainly bought into. Um, so I think it, for me, it's almost, I'm expecting to see a, an even better Albion than, than I did prior to the break. But then at the same time, I'm not sure what I'm going to see because, yeah, it's, it, do you know what I mean? It's one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know entirely. And I, you'd like to hope that, you know, the, the momentum and sort of form the team had, bit of belief and has not been lost too much because of the break, although that would be natural if it has. And and that's why I'm 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 a bit reluctant to go there and expect the world, really, to be honest with you, Johnny, just because I think it's, it's, it's hard to necessarily expect and demand that after having a break. It wouldn't surprise me for the first, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, even the first game, if it's a little bit scrappy and messy. And that's not that's not because the break hasn't gone well or they've you know not trained whatever that that's because it's been so long since they played and first games of the season typically can be scrappy and messy can't they so it would that that wouldn't surprise me it's hard to go there and expect the world expect free flowing fluent yeah attacking brilliance um of course we'd love to see that and fingers crossed we do but I'm just a bit wary of setting my stall out too high. But, yeah, it's an interesting game, isn't it? Lots of little links between the two clubs. I mean, you mentioned Mowbray there. It's great to see him up there and back and, and in work at a, at a good club. And quite enjoy my trips there. Been there a good few times over the years with, with Sunderland in, in League One for many a year recently. And, um, yeah, good one to start, isn't it? It's a good away day. Um, not so much on a Monday night for the, for the, the, the loyal faithful. But, yeah. Um, I'm like you. I can't quite decide how, and I think I think most fans, reporters, managers will be probably similar going into this weekend, won't they? How are how are our team? How is my team going to respond to four weeks off from playing competitively? But you know, having been trained and trained and had a little holiday, and it's it's going to be interesting. I don't think there'll be a hard and fast rule, although I just think it'll be. But yeah, how each players and group respond to time off and, and also a little bit of how well they've been coached, managed, trained during this period. And that's where I've got sort of faith and confidence in the work Corbyn's done with them, hopefully. And I think that I hope that will shine through. And yeah, look, I mean, looking forward to seeing the head coach tomorrow at the training rounds. It's been a little while and it'd be good to um, get some views and thoughts of from him about what's been going on. I mean, last time we spoke to, to had the chance to speak to him as well before the World Cup started. So it does feel like a, a hell of a long time. But yeah, bring it on. Can't wait to be uh, heading up there, to be honest. Yeah, it'll be good to have championship action back. Albion fans, thank you very much for, for listening. It's been a while, but we are back. And as we said at the top of the podcast, what I call proper football is almost back on the horizon uh, enjoy the rest of the, the world cup enjoy saturday england taking on france in the last eight but it's all about monday for for the baggies fans and that trip to sunderland and those brave souls are going to make that journey up there and what is going to be absolutely freezing probably but little um, prediction I'm, johnny england france little prediction england extra time extra time that's yeah. probably my heart ruling my head oh uh, yeah i'm gonna go, go on, about yourself. I'm, I'm gonna go heart overhead too i'm gonna go england pens which is a which seems a wild shout, but um, yeah, we'll see.
We'll certainly see indeed. But Albion fans, enjoy that. Have a safe trip up to Sunderland for the ones that are making the, the journey up there. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Baggies broadcast, as always. And until next time, from me and Lewis, goodbye.